I try not to say it every week, but I just really like the singing. It is fun to come in and sing together, and uh, maybe one of these days we'll have to go without a sermon, so everybody don't say it. I knew there would be amens for that, yeah, of course. Glad you're here tonight, and uh, next week is a, uh, is a holiday weekend, some of you know, and, um, and so I know we'll have folks out of town, and of course our people are in our small groups and all that's wonderful. This week, I have already written next Sunday night sermon. There it is right there. So if you will stay an hour late, we'll just go ahead and do next week's right now, and then you'll have the whole weekend free. No, not really, not really. Come back next week. Tonight, we continue on talking about Sheroes of the Bible about those great women of the Bible, and maybe sometimes some that we haven't thought about, but today is one that at least some of you have thought about probably before, and Rahab, she's not named Rehab, she is named Rahab, which sometimes it's easy to get that confused. That There's a story about that, but I won't tell you. But you may remember that God had given this promised land to Israel. The, promise, the problem with the promised land was there were people living in the promised land. But God said, I'm going to give you that land, and those folks are going to have to leave one way or another. They're going, to, they're going to have to go. And so it's for you. Well, I can understand why the Israelites were a little bit afraid of that. I, I get it. I mean, it would be like, say, this house right over here to my side, and God had said, hey, that's your house. But there was someone already living there, and I go up and knock on the door and say, excuse me, uh, God has said, I can live in your house. You need to vacate. I'll give you 36 hours to clean out. Can you imagine what that would be like? They would probably say no. They would call the police, right? They wouldn't allow that. That's what's, what's kind of going on as God has said to the people of Israel, this is now your promised land, and they say we're not leaving. God says, I'll be with you. They're going to leave. They are going to go one way or another, and most of them one way or another will die, but they will not be there. You will be the ones that inherit that land. So Joshua sent spies into the promised land to see what it was like. And you remember that he sends off the, sends off the spies and only Joshua and Caleb come back and say, hey, we can take the land. We can do this. The others are scared to death. They say, boy, they've got lots of big stuff over there and they've got lots of fruit and, and good things. But the problem is the people are giants and there would be no way that we could defeat a giant so we can't take the land. So Jericho, however, happens to be the first city taken because God was with Joshua and God was with Caleb and God was with the people. And so they go and take this land. This first one, I'm not going to get you in a lot of deep stuff tonight, but, but this first city, Jericho, will be a sacrifice to God. The first fruit of the promised land will be Jericho. It will be completely devoted to God as they it will become, let's just say, a burnt sacrifice to God. And so as they go into the city and they, see, and they look around, they see that, this is going to, that they are a formidable opponent in some ways, but I want you to see what happens when the spies go into Jericho and they meet Rahab in Joshua chapter 2 in verses 2 through 7. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they, they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up on the roof and had hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. 
So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the, to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. And so she protects these men. This is the first time she protects them. But, I, but there's an issue we've got to deal with for a minute. She lied. She lied. She said that these men have gone that way when they really were right there, right? And sometimes I think we kind of gloss over this. We don't talk about it. That she lied. Do you remember whenever we talked about the women of the Nile a few weeks ago, the Shiros, and he had those two women with those beautiful names of Shifra and Pua? You remember they were the women that they would, the babies would be birthed and they were supposed to kill the male babies. But they said to Pharaoh, boy, these Israelite baby boys come out so fast we can't do that. And you remember they said they were lying, which we know they were. So why would there be a place to lie? Surely this is, this is kind of an ethical issue, right? In both cases, it is to save life. It is not that you typically lie. It is not that you lie, tell a little white lie here, a little white lie there. It's not that you tell a lie at work. You don't tell a lie, a lie to your spouse. You don't tell a lie to anybody unless in both of those cases it was about saving the life of someone because those boys, they knew it wasn't a maybe would be killed. It was they knew they would definitely be killed back with Shifra and Pua. And now here she knows exactly what's going to happen because she's been told what will happen. And so she says they went the other way. So the army leaves, and now they're in the city. And in Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, you start to see more of this develop. And it says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When he heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So she says some really strong things to them. I know it was God who did this. I know it was God who sent you. I know, I can tell it was God. This is very insightful from this woman. Now, there are a lot of reasons to th that people would have thought poorly of her. First of all, they would have thought poorly of her because she is a woman. Because a woman in all ancient cultures nearly had no right to vote. They had no right to be considered as a witness. Certainly in Jewish culture, they weren't considered. And we're what we call it, Jerichoian culture. I think I just made up a word that they weren't, wouldn't have been considered someone of value because only the men were able to do things. And, but she is very insightful. And then you have another issue. She's, well, she's a prostitute. So she's got a lot of things that people are going to think poorly of her, but she can see right through. Well, this is what's incredible. Rahab didn't explain away God's work. We sometimes explain away God's work. Boy, we were lucky. Wow, can you believe what a coincidence that that happened? She doesn't explain it away. She says, I recognize it was God. I will call it what it is. It is God. Incidentally, you all didn't know that there was a painting of Rahab, did you? That, that this, was, this was found in the ruins with the Dead Sea Scrolls. No, I made all that up. I just found it. Oh, maybe that would, maybe that would work. So... 
she also was not overconfident. You know what I'm talking about? She wasn't saying, well, I tell you what, let those Israelites come in here. We will destroy them. We will blow them away. She doesn't say anything like that at all, does she? Sometimes we're a little bit overconfident in what we think God will do or how God's working. Or, excuse me, how, how we work. Not how God works, but how we work. Boy, we have the most mighty military in the world. Let me tell you, you just mess with us. She doesn't say that at all. Matter of fact, she says, we're scared to death of you. We all are, not just me, but the men are scared of you. And she didn't fall apart. You ever been there at that moment where you just kind of fell apart? You didn't know whether to go right or left. You didn't know what to do. You just kind of fell into a puddle of tears because what do I do? Or maybe you just, you just your hands go up and down. You don't know what to do. She doesn't fall apart either in the midst of a crisis. Now, something that's kind of interesting for us to think about is the size of Jericho from what we understand the city would have been. Because we have different ideas. We imagine our minds, but we can go right to this to this site, this archaeological site, and see the size of it. It was about nine acres. That's not humongous, is it? Matter of fact, it is kind of like the size of the property we have here. That was the size of the city with those walls around it. And so, so it wasn't like humongous, but it's out there in the middle of nowhere, and it has those walls and with those walls, they would be able to shoot whoever was coming with their arrows or with their spears, whatever, whatever it was, drop rocks on people, whatever it might be, that they would be able to do. Incidentally, the lead archaeologist on the, on the site of, of Jericho is a man by the name of Dale Manor, who is a retired professor from Harding, member of the Church of Christ. So he gives some very insightful lectures on what that site is like. But Rahab, she says, I believe in God, in your God. I know your God has power, and I'm going to follow your God, and I'm going to do what he says. But in Joshua chapter 2, now she is going to say, you know, if you could, this would be really nice. In Joshua 2, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. So both sides are showing signs of solidarity. Both sides are saying, okay, we will do that for you, and I will do this for you. I'll put down that scarlet cord that some of you know of that she would put to show it was the place and it was the time. But save my family. You know, some of our members here have helped families from Afghanistan who, and some of you are part of this, who have been taken, as you know, there was the big airlift that came out of Afghanistan, folks that had helped US, the U.S. Army during, during that conflict or war or whatever you want to call it, and then they were, those folks were brought back over to the United States, the Afghans, and, and put in different places in the country. And one of the places that they were sent to was Oklahoma City, of all places they would send them. And the Memorial Road Church of Christ there was given 42 families to help take care of, help them go to the doctor, help them find cars, help them find a place to live, all those things as they try to start their lives in the United States. Folks here are helping them as they have to go to the judge. They all have to come down at some point to the judge, see the judge, and uh, here to get their papers that will allow them to stay here. 
but it happens on a very slow timetable. And so one of those families that came, some of you took care of, and then, then I got to take them back to the airport. And so I said, tell me, what did you do? There was a carload of five or six people. And the guy said, well, I had an internet business in the U.S. Army, used my company. And he said, that's why we're here. He's about 25, 26 years old. And he said, and this is my mother, and this is my sister, and this is my brother. The very exact thing that, that Rahab is asking for here is what happened there. Show us a sign of solidarity. So they, they come together. They say, okay. So now Israel will do what you may remember. If nothing else, you remember the song, Israel, or that Joshua fought the battle of Jericho when the walls came tumbling down. Israel marched around Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 6, in verses 2 through 5, then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Wow, don't you know this is scary? If you are on the outside and it's silence is there walking around your city, and if the city, if you're talking about it being like nine acres, they're coming around often by you. And so you know, it's not just like you saw them once. You're seeing them go around and around and around, and they're not saying anything. It's kind of scary, isn't it? What are they doing? Are they going to do something? And it happens over and over. And you're thinking, I don't know. And so tomorrow you get up, the same thing happens again. This had to be scary. I mean, this is what I would call, I would call maybe mental warfare, right? Because they're thinking, what are those people doing? What are they thinking? Now, Joshua did as God asked. But I also want you to see what the Bible says, that the Ark of the Covenant went first. Now, this is important to recognize where God's, God is in the land of Israel and in the New Promised Land. God will be first, or he is to be first. So they put the Ark of the Covenant where God resides in front as they walk around. So as you see that even walk around, and they know what they believe about God and what the people see, they had to wonder, what's going on? What is God doing? their God doing. And then finally the walls do come down and the city is destroyed in Joshua chapter 6, verses 24 and 25. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men. Joshua had sent his spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Wow, that's a powerful way that God took care of Rahab and that God had a plan for Rahab, that Rahab was faithful to God. She was saved for holding her faith. She held on to her faith when it would have been easy just to be scared and run away. It would have been easy to just said, well, I'm just going to be here and my folks will take care of this. But she says, no, I see your God. I see Yahweh, and I know what Yahweh is doing. Therefore, I will follow Yahweh. 
Now, here's one of the most beautiful things. Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus. Is that not beautiful? Rahab, this woman who went out in incredible faith, is in the earthly lineage of our Savior. Wow, just think if she would have made a different decision. Now, I don't know how God would have worked things out. I'm thinking from this from a human standpoint. Just think what God did there and the way God helped. God has a place for everyone that comes to him. He has a place for people who have a lot, and he has a place for people who don't have much. He has a place for people who are from, from a royal background, and he has a place for people who are known as prostitutes. He has a place for every one. And not just a place, but Rahab is in the line of Jesus. Can you imagine what that meeting would be like to see Rahab meet her great, 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 great grandson? Can you imagine? And say, God was planning this all along? That I get to be a part of that? I wasn't even an Israelite and God has a place for me? That's powerful, isn't it? God has a place for everyone. So tonight... How can I be bold about my faith? How can I stand up for my faith and do what God calls me to do? I wonder how I could change the world and even in a sense change heaven by just having a little bit of boldness. I'm so thankful to that man who asked my parents more than, well now, more than probably 55 years ago, would you like to study the Bible? If he wouldn't have asked the question, wow, would my future have been very different and bleak. I think I would have been a mechanic. And if you know how I do things, I would have gone out of business, let me tell you. <laughs> I say mechanic and the whole place laughs. That's right. I was supposed to inherit an auto repair shop. Is that not funny? If for nothing else, thank you, Lord, that that didn't happen. How can I be bold about my faith? Some of us maybe need to be baptized into Jesus. Some of us need prayers. You can come forward. You can write to us at elders at mcoc.org. We want to help you. We want to be closer to God. Come as we stand and sing.